Okay, at this time we're blessed to have our second message for today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, entitled, The Glory of God. said I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, I appreciate Mark's message. I wanted to say something about uh, my Proverbs 31 wife. It's interesting, her name. In the New Testament, it's called, you know, it's Mary, but in reality, it's Miriam. Uh, and Miriam's followed Jesus to his death. In fact, they stood there and watched. And his mother's name was Miriam. And Miriam actually means bitter. Her sister's name is Naomi, which means sweet. So <laughs> I married the bitter one. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate it uh, was my wife. Miriam that was uh, really the more religious and dedicated one when we first came into the ch- when I first came into the church we were uh, she was just a young kid and here I was a 20 year old and uh, and there was a lot of us a lot of uh, young bachelors and bachelorettes in the Tulsa church and so you had a lot of choices back then and and I was very thankful uh, that God brought the two of us together because I think it was something that God wanted. I don't think I would have ever been gone this far and been up here doing this without her. Uh, two things. Um, being supportive and two, being criti- critical. <laughs> uh, I remember when I first started talking and giving messages, she'd sit back there and look at me like, <laughs> I, I, I would, uh, you know, I would go over here and look, because she was sitting over here. <laughs> uh, but I was a very uh, appreciative, because she would tell me things that I didn't realize I was doing. Uh, back then, we, we were trying to be very articulate and, and thinking about the things that we're saying. But sometimes you just, the old Lokiisms and everything just kind of comes out in it. So I was very uh, thankful that she was guiding me, and she has been a very, what I would consider a Proverbs 31 wife. And, and in our life, we have <laughs> raised nine children, and now we have 18 grandchildren. And it's a, it's a real um, life-changing thing. Uh, and we're almost on our 50th year. That's coming up in March. Just hard to believe it's been that many years. So many things have happened over those years. Anyway, uh, has everybody got the little handout? Did we, did we get it passed out? Everybody got one? Because I didn't want to start before I, I had it passed out. So we read, and in fact, I need my handout. I better get one too. <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a helper here, but I need a handout. We, this, is, this is a very familiar verse. 
we read it an awful lot, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's a true statement. The problem is, sometimes, we focus on the first part of that. <laughs> all have sinned. Oh, boy, we are all sinners. And we know the Scripture said that if we, say, if we say that we have no sin, then we're liars. And so we understand how important the idea of our not, well, of us missing the mark, because that's essentially coming short. We're missing the mark of the glory of God. But when you think about this verse, and you think about what the scriptures really paint and the picture that they're painting, it leads us to the understanding that someday, someday we are going to be able to actually see the glory of God. And we're going to go through some, some scriptures today, and we're going to look at some things, and hopefully we'll be able to grasp the understanding of the glory of God. I put down a strong concordance definition. There are, uh, Thayer's has stronger ones than this, but I thought this probably a little short definition. So it's doxa, 1391. You have it in your handout there. It's from the base of 1380, glory. Uh, as very apparent in a wide application, literally or figuratively, objectively or subjectively, dignity, glory, glorious, honor, praise, and worship. And when we look at the scriptures and we put them all together, and of course I'm not going to be able to cover all the scriptures in this glory of God. There are, this is a real Bible study. This is, this is a very in-depth Bible study that you can do if you have a strong concordance or you have um, a crudence concordance and you want to look through these, you can, you can do an in-depth Bible study on glory and the glory of God. So what I want to do is uh, really get a, an idea and a feeling for this, uh, the glory of God. We know in Romans, the first chapter, in verse 20, Paul says this about God. Verse 20. For in invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So one of the things that we are faced with right away is the power of God through his creation. Physically, how do we, how do we understand this glory, this, the glory of God? I have, a, I have a flashlight. My wife tells me I shouldn't be doing Ian's uh, demo, so I didn't put anything up front or put a deal up here. But when I was thinking about this, we have a light, don't we? Matthew says we have a light that we can shine. 
And if you look in Matthew, the fifth chapter, I didn't have that down, but let's just go there. Matthew 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Okay, I got a light. I'm shining it. Now, what if I try to shine this at something brighter than it is? For instance, on June 21st, that's my birthday, usually that's the first day of summer, and usually that's the, the day that the sun is the, the brightest and most intense. And if I shine this, and I can make it small, I can make it brighter, if I shine that up there, how, how intense do you think that light is going to be to the sun? Well, that's our light right now in reference to God, whose glory it says that no man can look upon God and live. That's because his, his glory, his power is so great. His, his face shines like the sun in his full strength. But we do have a light, don't we, that we can use. We have a light. In Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, we also have something else. Let's go to Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. We also have something else that's really nice. <laughs> we can be pliable. Uh, let's hope that we are, that we're allowing God to work with us. In 18 verse 1, it says, The Lord came to Jerusalem, uh, Jer Jeremiah, uh, from the Lord, uh, and the word came uh, to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. Then he then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again uh, another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter, to make it. And then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, So, here's the potter, and here's the clay. And this is not the clay that the potter uses. This is more like a molding clay that you can put in the oven and but you can, you know, do this to it. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Oh, man, man he's, he's working with me. He's, he's, uh, he's doing things. Sometimes, you know, that needs to be broken apart. We need to have some things changed in our lives. So we, we go through a trial. We go through tribulations and different things. And we feel the pressure that in our life, especially if God has called us and the Spirit is in us, He is working with us. We, we, sometimes we forget that, that God is working with us, working in us, to bring us to a certain point. And that's where we're going to go today. We're going to look at that. But here it is. And then he says, O house of Israel, you could put your name in there or my name in there. Can I do with you as this potter, said the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull it down and destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I uh, thought to do to them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it? 
If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would do, be, uh, you know, benefit them. Now therefore, go to speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Now, this was a, you know, these were the words that Jeremiah was to bring to them because of the evil that they were doing and that God was going to bring judgment on it. So I don't want to go much further in that, but I wanted to, to bring out the fact that God does work with us. And when we have problems and, and, and we are in a trial and tribulation and we sometimes think, oh, I can't get out of that, realize that God is there constantly working with us. And sometimes it seems like we're being molded, fashioned, pushed a little bit this way, a little bit that way. It's because God is our um, loving God, and he's working with us. In um, Isaiah, the 55th chapter, we have some verses here that I want to read. In beginning in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, <coughs> neither are my ways your ways. And I think I better get me a little bit of water here. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, that waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, <clears throat> that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, that it goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things or two, I sent it. So, as you read God's word, that's what's happening in our life. We are, especially as we are obeying or doing what God wants us to do, it is prospering us. It is strengthening us. It's guiding us. <clears throat> there are... There are six points that I'd like to, to bring out in the manifestation of God's glory. The first one is found in Genesis, the first chapter, and everybody knows that chapter like it was the back of your book. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I was sitting um, this year watching the trees change. And I begin to think about and contemplate the trees. There's no way in the world that trees could have evolved. And you think about the trees and how that I have some trees that as soon as that tree thinks it's fall, it just starts dropping its leaves. <laughs> it's just, you know, and all of a sudden I got a whole yard full of leaves. And that's hardly even started to be fall yet. I got another tree. I got a pecan tree that says, I'm not going to drop my leaves until it is very cold. 
So, you know, it takes a very long time for it to drop its leaves. Why the differences? Why all the different trees? Why all the different ones? How did they all come about? They could not have sprouted from the spores that supposedly evolution says they came from. Trees are so fascinating. I put this at the bottom. Everybody knows this poem. Well, everyone that used to go to school and get the kind of education that I got when I was in school anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, even, I even learned Hiawatha by, and uh, uh, the village blacksmith by Wadsworth uh, Longfellow. I had to memorize it. And I can't remember it today, but you know. But then I, I, when I was thinking about the trees, I thought about this, this beautiful poem. I think that I shall never, and I, I apologize, this is not the way that a poem should be written. It should be in, in verses, but I'm going to read it this way. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. A tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the sweet earth's flowing breast. A tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray. A tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair, upon whose bosom snow has lain, who, intimate, who intimately lives with the rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. And that is so true if you really, really, truly delve in to all of the, the fascinating differences in trees and how they, how they grow and how uh, some of them last for many, 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 many years. Wasn't there one tree that just started blooming that was in, in, in Jerusalem or that area that had been dormant for a very long, I mean, maybe even back to the time of Christ, and all of a sudden it's, it's blooming again? It's, a, it's so um, wonderful to understand that we have a creator, and that is a part of his glory. Creating things is a part of God's glory. In Exodus, the 33rd chapter, we, say, we find another part of his glory. Of course, his glory is all through the Bible, but let's just read this. Beginning in verse 18. Moses went up into the mountain. And he wanted to, God was talking to him, but he wanted to see God. He, he wanted to see God. And I don't, I, it, I, I can understand that. I want to see God. I, someday I want to look at God, just like Moses. <laughs> he says, I will, make all my, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and it will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. And by the way, those two things are part of God's glory. Mercy and graciousness. 
the grace of God. He says, you cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and, and you shall stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass that while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cliff of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. That's interesting, isn't it? Right, I'm going to put you right over here, and I'm going to put my hand over there. I'm only going to pass by you, but you'll just be able to see my backside. And I'll take away my hand, and you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. God's glory is so powerful that we could not live in his presence. His glory is so beautiful that we could not live in his presence. So that's another I didn't put it in there. I guess I must have missed it. There was one. And I do have it in my book, so I'm going to turn to it anyway. Uh, Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter, because it's very important. Deuteronomy 5, and just uh, 23 through 30, it says, And it came to pass, when you heard the voice of, in the midst of the darkness in the mountains, did burn with fire, that you came near to me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. <clears throat> and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. And we have seen this day that God does talk with man and lives. Now, therefore, why should we die for this great fire that can, uh, will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more than we shall die? For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go you near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak to you, all that the Lord our God shall speak to you, and we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of the words when he spoke to, the, uh, spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the... Uh, of the words of this people which they have spoken to you they have well said all that they have spoken oh that there was a heart in them that they should fear me and keep my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever that's part of that clay a stony heart was a part of the Israelites they had they, they would not hear the voice of, of God and, and believe, even though the miracles were there. It takes something else in all of us to give us that kind of heart that we need to hear the voice. He said, go say to them, go you into your tents again. But as for you, stand you here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which you shall teach them that they may do them in the land which I shall give them to possess. And so we see how important it is to hear the word of God. Well, and you know, we, have a, we have a benefit, don't we? We have a lot of the word of God. And we can understand his glory and his power and all of the things and his creation 
because we do have the Word of God. And if our heart is not stony, but pliable and easy to entreat, we will be able to inculcate that Word. We'll be able to grasp it and gain from it. In First Peter, the first chapter, actually, I think I want to go to... Uh, See, which one have I got? I got First Peter is the next one. Let's go to that one because that's another one that's important. Beginning in verse 13. And wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind to be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, fashioning yourselves according to the form, not, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner. And that word in the old King James is con uh, conversation, but it means conduct and behavior and the way that you you live, because it's written, be you holy, for I am holy. So one of the things, one of the aspects of God's glory is his holiness. He is holy by his own nature. He's holy. <laughs> the problem with us is we have a tendency to have those sins and things that, that kind of give us uh, and 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 the world takes us away from things, but not God. God is holy. He's always holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect to persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation or your vain or foolish ways, received by tradition from your fathers, we just got through with um, the whole traditional thing that goes on in the, the dead of winter. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you. Who by him, uh, who by him do believe in God and that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit to unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. It's interesting how that is such a... Uh, moving us to understanding the glory of God and bringing us to the point of incorruptibility. And we'll see that. We'll come to that here in a minute. By the word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is, is as grass, and all glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word which the gospel is, this is the word which the 
which by the gospel is preached to you. So we see another, another point that God is teaching us here that by the word of God, we see the, the glory of God. We, we understand the glory of God by the word of God. <clears throat> I won't go to Leviticus 20. Well, I will too. I'm going to just read the first bit. First, four, first verse, Leviticus 23. <laughs> I do that because maybe someone is tuning in uh, that's new to this. Maybe they'll pick it up and, and look because of the, of the title and be interested in it. But I want to read this for all that might, might do that. And that's Leviticus 23. And this is another part of God's glory. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them concerning the Moaz, the appointed times, the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy. God's holy. His feast days are holy. Convocations, that means meetings, assemblies, times to come together. Even these are my feasts. These are my Moaz. These are my appointed times. These are the things that God has set aside. They Help us to understand His glory. If you're worshiping things that God is not interested in, because He's not interested in pagan, um, pagan holidays, He's interested in His holy days. He's interested in His feasts that He sets aside. They start in the spring. They end in the fall. And they have great meaning. And it's the glory that God is showing eventually to all the world, but is showing to his people as they keep those holy days, as they observe those appointed times. They are understanding a deeper understanding of the glory of God by observing them. You're coming here on the Sabbath because God has set it aside. It's the first, it's the first holy day isn't it? Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy assembly. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And so we're here on a day in which he appointed for us to be here. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, now the great glory of God. As we see, and we've seen the thread all the way through. I've been reading a little bit about it. But I think this is one of the greatest manifestations of the glory of God is Jesus Christ. And because we believe in him, we are participating in that glory also. Verse 6 I just want to read this one verse. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
He is the greatest manifestation of the glory of God. They came to this earth, walked this earth, taught, and then sacrificed his very life for you and I. Profound in every way. In 1 John, the third chapter, everybody is very familiar with all of these, but let's, let's go there. 1 John 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And that's the whole point of the glory of God, that one of these days his children will be with him in his very kingdom. And we'll see the, the glory of God. We won't be physical. <laughs> no one physical can live in the glory of God. No one physical can live in Jesus' glory right now. He has the same glory. He is powerful. They're going to be able to see Jesus for a long, long ways because he is going to shine forth when he comes back. And they're going to say, uh-oh, we're being invaded. <laughs> this is going to be an invasion. He's coming. It's going to happen. As they're going to see that glory coming to this earth. I don't even know where I was. <laughs> but I'll find it. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Wow, that is so beautiful. By having this hope and this understanding, we are being purified on a daily basis. In Romans, the eighth chapter, you see, this is where it's going. This is where God wants us to go. He wants us to be in his kingdom. He wants his children to be by his side. I don't know what he's got planned for us, but I want to be there. I think you do too. I think we all want to be there that day in that kingdom. 14, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Part of God's glory is his opening of his Spirit to those who are being called. The manifestation came on the, on the day of Pentecost when that Spirit was poured out on those that were there at that time. But it continues on and on and on for those that are being called who are wanting to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, as the baptism was last week with, with John, and we saw that. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. And really, the, you know, that word adoption actually means sonship because that's, where, that's what we're going to be. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, the, the Hebrew, Abba, is Father. And the word Father, we understand that. 
the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I believe that. I believe those who have been baptized, received God's Holy Spirit, are His children. And if you stay in this way, eventually you're going to be resurrected or changed in the twinkle of an eye into the kingdom of God and will see the glory of God. And that also is His glory. And we'll get to that in a second. Back to 2 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. I mean, the fourth chapter, there's no 14 in this that book. 2 Corinthians 4. And let's pick it up in verse 1 this time. There is uh, a lot to be learned here. If I can find 2 Corinthians in this book. Here we go. Verse 1, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not working, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the, of the truth, commending ourselves to, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel is hidden, it's hidden to them that are lost to whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the, the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled in every side, but yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not, uh, not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's the little light that we might shine, that we have, that they might see our good works. For we which live are always delivered, <clears throat> for we which live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according to it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up Jesus, the, the, raised up the Lord Jesus, shall raise uh, up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. That's God's glory. To be presented by Jesus to the Father. Wow, how powerful that is. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many abound to the glory of God. That they might abound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, 
but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In verse 5, for we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. And so we see. Now let's go back to Romans, the 8th chapter. And let's pick it back up in verse 18. He says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's God's plan, that there will be in his children a revelation of glory and that our glory will reflect on the power and glory of the Father and the, and the Son. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestations of the sons of God. For the creature, or the creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown inside ourselves, waiting for that sonship. That is the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what man sees, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And that's what we're doing. We're waiting for the return of Christ. Whether it be at the time that he returns and we're changed in a twinkling of an eye, or whether we lay into the ground and we wait for that resurrection, that time in which we come up out of, the, out of that grave. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For him he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. And that's going to happen to us if we are faithful to the end. In Revelation, the 21st chapter, a great and wonderful time in which we will come and be a part of this unbelievable building unbelievable place that we're going to reside in. Now, beginning in verse 22. 
this is talking about the, the New Jerusalem and all of that. And I'm going I'm to let you read that, all of verse 21. I want to skip down to verse 22. He says, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So when we come to that point, look at what we're going to, to have. We're going to have constant light from God the Father and Jesus Christ. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of, uh, of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall no, in no wise enter into, the, into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works an abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. The Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river, beautiful, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. And the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bore twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And that is the glory of God.